<laughs> anyway, that's kind of cute, isn't it? <laughs> nice. All right. Well, <clears throat> hey, open your Bibles, if you will, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You know, we finished the book of Hebrews, our study of the book of Hebrews, uh, finally, and I so appreciate you sticking with me. We'll be in a few random passages here for the remainder of the summer, um, and then we'll start a new series that uh, uh, will probably be a little bit of a side, uh, side channel uh, and challenging and, and all that. So um, here we are in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Colossians 3 verse 1, and this is God's Word. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, you may have heard people talk about this before, if you've ever known someone who's gone through seminary. I mean, Will, and, uh, you know, you have kind of intimate experiences of people who've gone through seminary. Um, A lot of them will say the same thing, that it was uh, perhaps one of the more challenging periods of their life uh, concerning their relationship with the Lord. Um, And that sounds kind of contrary. You know, you go to school, you're all excited about seminary, and you go off to school, and and, uh, you're digging in. um, But then academia kicks in. And you start thinking things like, oh, I got to write another paper on the Bible, you know? Or it's been assigned to you that you've got to read all the wisdom literature for a class, and you're like, oh, that's right, I have to read Proverbs tonight again. Well, that doesn't sound like a very healthy attitude, does it? But uh, that's what tends to happen in school when, you, when you've been given this task. It's just very easy to separate yourself from um, the task that you have to accomplish and the glory of the God behind it, okay? And I start by telling you all that because it's very easy for any Christian to be deeply involved, serving, elding, pastoring, uh, watching kids, investing in people, coaching, um, really involved. Honey, I have to go off again and go do my very important work at the church. It's very easy to be so engaged in all that, and then you miss the God of it in the midst of the activity. Does that make sense? It's a temptation that we all can face. Um, but why did Jesus die on the cross? Why? What was what is salvation? What, what, how, do you, how do we define it? You've heard me uh, point to this many, many times, but um, it, we're, we're, given a, we're given a precise definition by the, from, from the lips of the Savior just hours before the cross. He says to the Father in the high priestly prayer in John 17, Father, the hour has come. It's time. 
I've, I've accomplished the work that you sent me to do here on this earth, this, li- this life and ministry. Uh, previously, people wanted to make him Lord or they wanted to stone him, um, and he would, uh, he would go away because his time had not yet come. Here he's saying, Father, the hour is now. It's here. The time has come. He says, uh, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is Jesus praying to the Father. And he continues, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life, that we know God, that we know Jesus Christ. That means that there's a relationship involved. It's more than just being busy with church activity. You can be an excellent mom in a Christian home. You can be um, a providing and loving dad. You can be a church uh, leader. You can be a servant. Uh, you can give. You can be a volunteer. But all those things um, can cloud the goal of the real Christian life, which is a relationship with the living God. Um, if you don't have that, you're way off the mark as to what will satisfy your soul uh, and give glory to God. And by the way, I'm saying it with vigor to you, but believe me, I'm sitting out there too. Um, if, if, if we want our souls to be satisfied, if we want to glorify God, then the relationship with him is the main thing. And so that is our main idea. Your personal interaction with God is the most important thing. That is what eternal life is. That is what salvation is, is your relational um, interaction with the God who saved you. All right, let's go to our first point. There's four of them, um, and you're going to see that they're very easy to get from right from the passage here. Um, So to our passage here in verse 1, it says, uh, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So seek the things is our our, uh, first point here. And... um, the verse starts out with, if you have been raised with Christ. Now, that is obviously building on something that has uh, been formerly said, uh, since what follows is an imperative. In other words, um, the, seek the things, that's a, that's a command. Seek the things, go do this thing. That's an imperative that's been put out to you. Um, now, we need to look at why it's expected that this, this command can be carried out. Okay, that's the whole point. Uh, Seek the things, but why are you able to do it? Well, it's because of what's been said formerly. Uh, Look at chapter 2, verse 13. Here's a good summary. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross. Well, there's your basis. You know, when we're commanded, hey, um, seek the things that are above, it's not just, hey, go be a better you. It's, it's going, hey, wait, 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 wait. Um, if you've been raised with Christ, which means something, then you have been enabled to seek the things. And the things that, the things that have uh, been given to you are, as, as we just read in verse uh, 13 of chapter 2, that you've been made alive, um, your trespasses have been forgiven, and uh, the record of your debt has been canceled in, the, in God's holy courts. That, that's, that's the basis right there. So thus, uh, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Um, same kind of a deal, too. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6, um, it says, uh, Therefore, okay, pulling in what was said before, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. 
That means something was given to you. Walk in Him. You've received Christ Jesus as the Lord. You're enabled. Now go walk in Him. It's never just go do better. It's here's what God has done and enabled you to do in Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit He sent. It's always presented that way. You see how in the economy of the gospel, one thing always precedes the other, always. Never does the gospel of Christ say, get your life better and then God will desire you. Never. That's never the message of the Bible. No matter who purports it, by the way. Rather, you received, and as a result, you are enabled. All right? So, to our passage. It says um, in verse 1, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. But you see that that's been grounded in a reality, if you've been raised with Christ. The question is, what does it mean that we've been raised with Christ? What does that mean? It's a good... uh, kind of church term, hey, you've been raised with Christ. Yes, I have, but what does that mean and how does it, how does it really make a difference for me? Well, you know, when it says uh, in chapter 2, verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, uh, dead, okay, well, that, that's part of it. Um, you know that Colossians is kind of a sister book to Ephesians. Did you know that? You'll find a lot of similar things in Colossians as you would in Ephesians. Um, and, uh, of course, Paul had never been to the church in Colossae, but um, he is writing to them pastorally near the same time, saying a lot of the same things. Um, So here's what it it says in Ephesians 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Christ in the heavenly places. So there you have it. The issue, ladies and gentlemen, is that you were formerly dead in your trespasses and sins. God intervened, and he raised you to new life in Christ, raised you to the heavenly places. Now, what does a dead man need more than anything else? What a dead man needs is life. Doesn't need, a, doesn't need his hair combed. Uh, doesn't need a, a vitamin C. He needs life, a dead man. All right. Now, the scriptures know that it's not talking about, uh, uh, the scripture writer knows it, it's not talking about physical death here. He's not saying, hey, uh, by the way, you're physically dead. Not at all. I mean, people are reading this. He knows they're physically alive. He's speaking to the spiritual. It's a spiritual issue. Um, No understanding of the cross of Christ can be had unless you understand that a person has to move from death to life. Without death to life and the enabling of of, um, uh, holy things and spiritual engagement, without that, you have no gospel according to the Scriptures. It is the axis upon which the whole gospel narrative spins, that you've been taken from death and you've been made alive. You know our art gallery out here, Sine Quanon, or Sine, however you like to say it. Sine, what, how do you say it, Millie? Sine. Well, everybody's got, uh, everybody's got their own zippy... Huh? I don't know how to do it, but, uh, it's, uh, but this Sine Quanon, or Sine Quanon, however you like to say it, um, you know what it means? Without which nothing, or without which not. Some, it's kind of like Yoda, Yoda, you know. Um, but basically it's saying that uh, um, for something to um, exist, something else is necessary, okay? You ain't, got no, you ain't got nothing, okay? That's my paraphrase of sine qua non. You ain't got nothing without this, you know? That's the whole point, all right? And so the idea with our artwork is had God not given us all this ability and the ability to see that we would not be making artwork for his glory, right? Without which not, all right? Well, it's the same kind of a deal, ladies and gentlemen, concerning the gospel. Um, unless you've been made alive, you ain't got nothing. There, there ain't a gospel apart from that. If you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. 
Now, it's been said that, um, that the Old Testament messianic prophecy that's most quoted uh, in the New Testament is Psalm 110, verse 1. Listen, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Right? That's precisely the picture we see here. You've got um, Christ seated at the right hand of God. All right, application for your life. This is why it makes a difference in your life, um, that you've been raised with Christ. You've been brought from death to life. You've been brought from um, the inability to enablement. Uh, the, the Christ, your Savior, has gone before you. He's defeated death. He's gone before you as victor. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's holding kingly session, and he's interceding on your behalf. That's a present reality, ladies and gentlemen. And that present reality means that you have a relationship with the living God now. Yes, we are still on this earth. Yes, we still struggle with sin. Yes, God is still working sanctification in us. But at the same time, we don't have to wait for fellowship with the Heavenly Father. We have an, an Abba Father now. We've got a living Savior now uh, interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. It means, in short then, that you can have free fellowship with the Father. If you've been raised, and if Christ really is seated at the right hand of God, that means you have access into the throne room like a child coming to a father. You remember the uh, main point there? Your personal interaction with God is the most important thing. That, that's the whole point of, the, of your salvation, ladies and gentlemen, that you have uh, interaction with the living God. Um, listen to this quote from a commentator named Dick Lucas, who's awesome. He says, um, to seek the things above takes us to the very summit of Christian experience in this life. It is daily to hold fast to Christ as the center and source of all our joys. So if you want to know how it matters to you, if you want um, joy, if you want soul satisfaction, then you find it in a relationship with this God. Now, how do you accomplish that? How, how do you do that? How, how, how uh, do you seek the things that are above? How, what's what's the, the how-to? Let's look at our next point for that. Set your minds. Ah, here's the thug. Su- Suzanne, what's up? Hello, good to see you. Wow, old friends. Nice, good to see you guys. So what happened? There was a shooting? No? Okay. Anyway, good to have you guys. Welcome, welcome. Um, all right, to our next point. Set your minds. Set your minds. We have another imperative here, and we see where I get it. It's right from verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above. Okay, these are commands. They're they're told us because we've been equipped to do them. So let's look at verses 2 and 3. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Again, because God did a saving, life-giving thing, we are enabled to set our minds. Now listen, um, all but a few Bible translations say, set your minds. You'll find a few that say, set your affection on, okay? But a a far greater number of scholarship uh, agrees that it should be set your minds, um, not not merely affections. And I'll tell you that setting your minds on things uh, in the in the uh, in the current evangelical climate is not all that popular. Um, 
you, people want to, um, you know, it's kind of a compromised theological culture we live in. People want to throw off the mantle of theology. They go, don't bog me down. Uh, don't bog me down with all that religious talk and that theology and stuff because my heart wants to express. And, and uh, we're kind of in a climate where, where, where setting your mind on things, like I say, is not that popular. Um, let me show you a little graphic here uh, that I found online. It's a, it's a little love card here, a little e-card. You send just the right mix of adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin, is that right, John? Tocin, oxytocin, and vasopressin coursing through my limbic system. That's lovely, isn't it, baby? You, you make my chemicals flow precisely for my bubble bath pleasure, you know? Um, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I found that, and I thought, you know, that just kind of reminds me of the, the brand of Christianity that uh, people kind of want. They, they want to come to Christ. They want to come to church so they can get all the chemical stuff right. So there's kind of a zzz, oh, now that was a worship experience. Ooh, it was all flowing that day, you know. Um, that is not how the Bible presents it, ladies and gentlemen. It's not, it's not you getting a shot of something so you, hey, wow, worshiping God. This is Christianity is awesome. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, um, I think sometimes Christian resem- Christians resemble coke addicts uh, in, that, in that sense. And it shows up in bad theology, too, like all of the, um, you know, your problems will go away kind of theology. That is all over Africa. Do you know that? Uh, it's all over Africa. You, you, you're, you, you, God wants you to be rich, uh, no more health problems. And listen, uh, the, these guys who are out there on TV and they're healing people and all that, it's like, you know what? If you really love people, you get off the TV and go straight to the hospitals because you know that's full of sick and hurting and scared people. Uh, go, go, just go do that and you'll be quite busy. Uh, but it doesn't happen. These charlatans pop up and this uh, health and wealth gospel and, and watered-down sermons and watered-down worship songs and all that. All that to say, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to embrace the truth of the gospel, if we are going to set our minds on things that are above, that means we have to exercise the core of our personhood. Right? If you're going to embrace this gospel, if you're going to engage with God, it, 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 it takes... You, it, it, takes, it takes who you are, the, the core of your identity. It means that you have to apply your mind. You have to set your mind on these things. And you know, the gospel throughout, the Bible throughout, speaks in forensic terms, doesn't it? It, uh, it, speaks, in, in, uh, it speaks about evidence. And uh, it, says, uh, it says of God, uh, Psalm 7, verse 11, God is a just judge. That's a legal scenario. The Bible speaks in in legal terms, forensic terms, judgment terms, mindful terms. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as saints, we are a thinking people. That's supposed to be a hallmark of us. We're supposed to be a thinking people uh, because we desire to know the God of salvation more deeply, and he has revealed himself to us by the way he saves. You know, every once in a while, I'll have a a night where I'm, I'm having trouble sleeping, and it'll be four in the morning, and I'll be, I'll be laying there, and uh, Tammy will try to help me. If I've really been struggling, she'll try to help me, and I, I feel her little hand come out, and her hand just comes on me, all right? So that's pretty cool. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. You know, I'm kind of comforted. It's a little hot, but it, it's, it's helpful. Um, and if I'm still having problems, she'll, she'll, say, she'll say this. You haven't done this in a long time, but she'll say, blank your mind, you know? Blank your mind. Can you hear that? Um, and that, that's good advice for me because it's like, yeah, you know what? The goal is to try not to think of anything, you know? Just try to 
blank your mind so it's, and I think it's totally uh, approved behavior by God to blank your mind so you can go to sleep, okay? But aside from that, at no time are we ever, is the, does the Bible ever suggest that we're supposed to empty your mind of thoughts? All this, hey, oh. What is this, by the way? These, every ad has a woman on the beach facing the water like this in her swimsuit. I don't know what that's supposed to be or why that appeals, but it's, apparently it sells things really well. But anyway, that whole, ah, I just, empty your mind. The Bible never says that. You know what it says? Set your mind on things above. In fact, danger comes when you empty your mind. It's dangerous. You're supposed to be deliberate and set your mind on things above. All right, so um, we've got kind of an application here, okay? The application is set your mind on things above. The companion to to that is found before. um, Oh, yeah, excuse me, found in verse 5. Look at, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Uh, It's basically don't set your mind on the earthly stuff. Do set your mind on on the things above. It's very deliberate Christian action. And what basically uh, that's, that's saying, and you know, verse five goes on to say it's idolatry. Don't set your mind on these things, it's idolatry. Set your mind on, on the holy things. Where do we do that? We set our mind on the, on the holy things via God's book. You know, friends, um, setting your mind on things above is learning what your God likes. It's a relationship, and you're going to set your mind on what's above. It's learning what God likes. It's learning how God wants things to operate. It's learning what God has promised. It's setting your mind on those things. You know, um, I love Tammy, but not just in a functional way. I I don't love her just in a a, a big way. You know, I mean, you know, guys might say... uh, well, yeah, I love my wife. You know, I mean, if she were kidnapped or, or what, I mean, whatever, I would surely pay the ransom. You know, I, I love her. I love her. Uh, I'm not talking about love in that way. I'm saying I think about her in specifics. I like the way she walks, and I like the way she smiles, and I like the way she laughs. And you know what? I like her taste. And I like her taste so much, no offense, ladies, that I don't like your taste. I mean, I see you wear things, and uh, I'm not looking at anybody. I don't even have my glasses on. So. But I see what you're wearing, and I'm like, oh, I, blah, blah. I don't really like it. Uh, I like her taste. Uh, it's my barometer, you know? There are specifics that I think about when it comes to Tammy. Um, and so that's the idea, ladies and gentlemen. You uh, find out what God is like, this relational God, and you set your mind on things above, and this is where he tells you what he likes and how you're supposed to operate. Uh, it's called a relationship, um, which, uh, if you remember, is the very point. All right, let's go to our uh, third point, which is uh, put to death. Uh, that is also in, uh, let's see, verse 5. Let's go to it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. Uh, verse 5, yeah. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You see that there's the contrast. You have a choice to set your mind on things above or set your mind on earthly things. Um, And it goes on to say in verse 7, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them. Uh, That speaks of sin as a realm, which also happens to be the way God sees it, that it's a dominion of darkness and sin. Um, 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you ever been on a, a diet? You're going to start a diet on Monday, and on Sunday night, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to go through your house and throw out all the stuff that's like Pop-Tarts and Ritz crackers and stuff like that. Has anybody ever done that? Yes? No? You haven't done that? I do it every weekend. Um, <laughs> you, you go, you know what? I don't need these, and uh, you throw them out. And I know it's harder for you. You know, when we, go to, when we go to other people's houses, we look in their pantry, and we're like, cinnamon toast crunch, seriously? I mean, you have, like, junior mints in your drawers, and I can't believe all the snack food. I'd be, it, I'd be giant if I, I lived in your house. But, um, but uh, you're supposed to purge your, your house of all the stuff that's not good for you. Just throw Don't even feel bad about it. Don't even feel bad about it because it's a move towards your health, and you throw it out. You eradicate it. That's the idea here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, anybody see Clark Grantham selling his stuff on, on GOL? I mean, it's, it's like GOL at its very best. It's worth signing up for, for just for Clark's stuff. Basically, he's a guy who was at our church, and uh, how old is Clark, 38 or something like that, finally got married. Well, you know, when you're a 38-year-old man, you finally get married, you've amassed a bunch of, uh, you know, puffy leather couches and... You know, big giant things and dartboards and, you know, you have a lot of guy things. And, um, well, it was just so much fun to watch him creatively sell all of his stuff. But it's basically, she's coming in and she's like, I love you, honey. This is great. Let's start a new home. And everything you own is horrible. Uh, and uh, you haven't known it all this time, but the deer head has to go and all that. Um, and he gets rid of all of his stuff. Well, that's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, God says, you know what? I want you to set your mind on things above. That means that all the stuff that you've amassed that was so precious to you, it's not precious to me. I want what's precious to me to be precious to you, and you change and you adapt. That is putting to death what is earthly in you. That is setting your mind on things above. That's the how-to. All right. Um, Our last point, put away. That's also right from the passage. You've got each one of these is right from the passage. It says, um, yeah, yeah. In, in verse 8, now you must put them all away. And uh, it gives us a list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Now, there is um, great dispute um, over the translation of that last one, um, obscene talk from your mouth. If you look that up in a bunch of different Bible translations, you'll find that some people say filthy language. What do we have here? Is it obscene talk? Yeah, obscene talk. Uh, ESV says obscene talk. Um, and others say filthy language, some say dirty, some say obscene, some say foul, some say vile. Um, I, I found a good one here that says, um, the, the Weymouth New Testament says, foul-mouthed abuse. And really, that, that captures the idea of it. Um, um, it's the only time it's used in the whole New, uh, New Testament, and, but there seems to be a deliberate thread. L- look, at the, um, look at the relational... Um, look at the relation-breaking, um, look at the relational-breaking element that runs through these, these words. Um, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse. If, if obscene talk should be rendered abusive talk or abuse, um, that seems to be more in line with the, the relationship-breaking nature of those. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive, filthy, hard, coarse talk that doesn't benefit someone. Right? 
All that to say, ladies and gentlemen, there seems to be kind of a dot-to-dot um, thing between all those. And what we need to do is unhitch ourselves from those former rights. We used to think it was our right to be that way. And hey, I'm just this way. And uh, it's my prerogative to feel this way. Hey, I feel this way. So I feel this way. Well, you might be wrong in feeling that way. Well, but I feel this way. Well, that's not the, that's not the barometer. Um, we're to unhook from relationship breakers like anger, wrath, malice, slander, and uh, abusive talk that does not build up. Because we, we belong to um, a new king in his domain. All right, let's close it up with this. Back to our main idea here. Um, your personal interaction with God is the most important thing. And I got a good quote for you, and we'll quit. When we set our minds with diligence... On the things above, the firmer the ground becomes beneath our feet. (laughs) Is that not a healthy thought? If you set your mind on things above, not earthly things, then what happens? The result in your experience is that the ground gets firmer for you, that your life becomes more stable, that things make more sense, that you have a context in which to operate, that you live in a realm of light, not a dominion of darkness. Um, setting your mind on things above um, is, is the way to your soul's satisfaction and health and glory for God. The quote, yes. When we set our minds with diligence on the things above, the firmer the ground becomes beneath our feet. That's a good truth. Let's pray. Our Father, we um, praise you. And... Um, we are guilty, and I am certainly guilty, and I'm, I'm the biggest hypocrite in here, Lord. Um, it's just so easy to be so immersed in even church life and, and busyness and, and service and, and all those things, Lord, and, and yet forget you, forget um, a relationship with you, forget that you're our soul satisfaction. I, I, we, we don't want to be in love with Um, the idea of truth. We want truth. We don't want to be in love with the idea of a relationship with God. We want you. And uh, our prayer is, Lord, that you would give that to us, that you would uh, bring that about in us, equip us, enable us. Might your spirit be poured out all the more, especially this week, and uh, cause us to set our minds on things above um, because it's a relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.